This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 22, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Where does healthcare policy lend itself to free market reforms? Looking at dental care may be instructive for reforming healthcare provision more broadly. Sal Nuzzo is vice president of policy at the James Madison Institute. We spoke at the State Policy Network annual meeting in October about the burgeoning field of dental therapy. What we're looking at in the whole scope of uh, healthcare reform and healthcare policy is a shift away from talking about how to either repeal the ACA or prop up the ACA and begin looking a little bit more surgically at areas of healthcare policy where we can begin to bring more market forces. And one of those areas that we have done quite a bit of research and some policy wins have, you know, kind of uh, have uh, come to pass is in this area of of impacting dental care and the dental shortages that exist nationwide. And and just a couple of facts and figures to kind of uh, put it into perspective. More than 56 million people live in areas that are designated uh, as having a shortage of dentists. And and that is something that has, you know, broad impacts on overall health, uh, both short and long term. I mean, 56 million people are living in areas designated as having a shortage of dentists. And that has both short and long-term implications on overall health uh, health aspects. Uh, just thinking about it from pediatric dental care, uh, a, a child's oral health early on has implications on their health into adolescence and adulthood. Um, currently, there are uh, just, uh, just looking at the Medicaid population, uh, ages 1 to 20, 48% of the kids on Medicaid do not see a dentist. And when you look at that, what evolves is these horrific cases of kids that are in some cases dying because they did not get to a dentist and they did not get a $10 antibiotic for an infection that ends up going to their brain or going into their bloodstream and actually killing them. And and that's not hyperbole. There are cases that have been documented over the course of the last 10 years of this happening. Okay, so and the, the other the uh, uh, probably a smaller but uh no less impactful cost of not receiving proper uh dental care is people who don't have a full head of teeth uh have face employment discrimination. They have difficulty uh being a part of proper society. Absolutely. You you have an entire social aspect of this, and, and it, it stretches to employment, it stretches relationally, it stretches to um, kind of, uh, in, in some cases, in extreme cases, even interaction with law enforcement, just in terms of individuals' abilities to, uh, to kind of consistently maintain oral health care. If the shortage exists, mm-hmm. and we're going to maintain our health care laws generally the way they are, what is the fix for states that would like to uh, help people access this kind of care? Well, states are where the solutions are going to lie. And that's an an important opening to the concept of uh, scope of practice expansion. And there is this interesting overlap uh, that exists in policy in the healthcare space between occupational licensing 
and scope of practice expansion. And I'd like to talk about the concept uh, that's working in a few states called dental therapy. Uh, dental therapy is a new uh, occupational category within the dental space. Uh, the, the easiest way to describe it is it's a little bit more skill set than a dental hygienist, but not quite a, an actual dentist. And these are uh, highly skilled individuals who are able to perform a lot of the routine uh, oral maintenance uh, tasks. Uh, think of tooth extractions, think of filling cavities, think of uh, not just, you know, kind of your overall cleaning, but working on some of the the, the gum disease issues that, that folks will face. And it allows a dentist in a practice to begin to focus on some of the more um, uh, kind of higher end problems that folks are facing or coming into uh, into their office with. I cannot imagine dentists think that the widespread uh, proliferation of dental therapists is a good thing. It's absolutely a fair assessment uh, and a very good hypothesis. However, I would point to the fact that this is one of those areas where trade associations that represent dentists are very much interested in uh, kind of protecting the turf of dentistry. Uh, however, if you talk with actual dentists practicing, especially those that are practicing in rural areas who recognize uh, that the shortages are, are real and exist – and you explain the concept to them, actual dentists love the idea. And uh, dentists would, in fact, embrace the idea of bringing in one, two, or three uh, dental therapists into their own practices to allow them to uh, focus in on some of the the, the more high-end uh, types of care that they would like to do and allow the practice to expand and be able to serve their populations. So uh – my assumption is that dentists as a half measure would be perfectly willing to accept dental therapists as a, uh, a legitimate uh, scope of practice uh, if they're working under the house of a dentist the way that physicians would prefer that nurse practitioners work directly for them. Yeah, and you're you're kind of getting right into the heart of the debate on, uh, especially in those states that have embraced the concept and have have uh, expanded the practice out, uh, is kind of those regulations and the rules governing how a dental therapist performs their uh, their their duties. Uh, the questions to answer uh, could be uh, whether that therapist has to have a dentist in the building, uh, whether or not they have to have a dentist in the room with them. Uh, as you can imagine, there are different implications for uh, for kind of the how that all plays out. And, uh, and, and those are the types of things that if we can get past sort of the uh, kind of uh, crony protectionism uh, of, of your, your typical trade associations, we can begin to have a real robust debate on, all right, what's in the best interest of patients and how do we get care to, you know, 56 million people who are not seeing a dentist regularly and who need better oral care and better access to services? If the, the half measure is the desire to mm -hmm. compel these therapists to work directly under the supervision or within the house of a dentist, that does nothing to address the uh, areas that are underserved or not served at all by dentists. 
Yes, that's absolutely one of the the major concerns, especially in areas that are designated as having a, a dental shortage. Uh, one of the policy debates uh, going on is whether a dental therapist would need to practice in the same building, or some states are actually uh, kind of testing out having dental therapists be able to practice within a certain radius of a dentist. And that allows um, dental therapists to be able to come in and uh, and serve an underserved community in a way that you know currently just does not exist. Sal Nuzzo is vice president of policy at the James Madison Institute. We spoke at the State Policy Network annual meeting in Salt Lake City. You can rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>